welcome to the Portugal podcast. My name is Matthew Marshall and I'm joined by Tom Cundit to discuss Portugal's 2-2 draw with France at Euro 2020, which takes the Selecao into the round of 16. It was a very exciting match. Portugal taking the lead through a Ronaldo penalty in the 31st minute and then conceding a penalty on the stroke of half-time that Karim Benzema tucked away. Benzema putting the French ahead just after the break after a very nice pass from Paul Pogba. And then Ronaldo winning and scoring a second penalty to level the scores up. Really the only action after that was Rui Patricio who made an excellent save from Pogba and then Antoine Griezmann on the follow-up. And really the last 10 minutes was just a, <laughs> a, few, a few blokes kicking the ball around the park as a, as a draw really suited both teams but a lot of action of course because of the events in Munich with Hungary taking the lead twice uh, putting Portugal out for a few minutes here as things stood. Tom how did you handle this game it was uh, it was another roller coaster ride. Yeah absolutely a bag of nerves Matt I mean you know it finished less than an hour ago and I'm <laughs> still trending a little bit now what a game I was expecting just a quite a tame game to be honest because we knew that uh, you know, a draw would see both teams through and even a 1-0 win would more than likely see Portugal through. A 1-0 win for France, that is, would more than likely see Portugal through. So I was expecting, you know, almost a pact of no aggression, not much to happen. And, uh, well, <laughs> my word, we got uh, exactly the opposite, didn't we? I mean, what a game. Uh, so exciting. That's right, you said. Portugal started in third. Then they were top of the group at one stage. Then they were second at another stage. Then they were completely out of it in fourth. And, uh, well, I'm just pleased, Matt, that, uh, you know, they're still in it. And uh, still in it. And I think now in quite good shape, in, uh, mentally at least, I think, after that. Because at the end of the day, they've just put up a good performance against the world champions. Exactly. Yeah, they played, they played well. And as you said, against the, the world champions, I thought France were, were off their game. A little bit. I thought some of the changes they made really didn't work out well for them. Jules Kunde is an excellent, excellent player, but I'm not sure he's he's super at right back. And um, and Tolisso really didn't do much at all. So there were a couple of um, I guess you know ordinary performances. And of course they had the situation with uh, Luca Hernandez replaced at halftime by Luca Dina, who only lasted a few minutes before going off too. So they had some issues, I guess, but shouldn't take anything away from Portugal, who. Of course, had to make some adjustments after the uh, the horror show against Germany, and they did that really well. Tom, we saw well. We knew that uh, Renato Sanchez would come in for William, and the other change was João Martinho coming in for Bruno Fernandes, and we saw much more much more hunger in the middle of the park, and we also saw Bernardo Silva tracking back, really helping out Nelson Semedo, and of course Jota getting back there and helping out Rafael Guerreiro. That was really the feature of the of the change with the tactics, but I thought it was uh, well, it was obvious that it had to happen. But I thought the players implemented it well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think Bernardo Silva for me, he kind of personifies the change from the Germany game to this France game. You know, I was I actually tweeted that you know during the first half, maybe all the criticism he got kind of stung him because he was. Uh, you know, he was superb that first half. I thought him and Renato were were absolutely outstanding that first half. Probably Portugal's best players in the first 45 minutes. Yeah, really, uh, you know, it's really aggressive, wasn't it? Bernardo Silva really getting stuck in, uh, you know, actually committing quite a few uh, quite a few fouls. I thought at one stage he was quite lucky not to get a yellow card. But uh, 
you know, just really getting involved. And like you said, more importantly, just making sure that the right, uh, you know, the fullbacks were supported. You know, they weren't isolated. And I think in this game as well, uh, I've, I've always said I don't think Nelson Semedo is a bad player. I think he's a very good player. And I think you saw it in this game. He looked terrible against Germany, but that wasn't his fault. But anyway, we won't go over that again. Uh, but yeah, the changes were, yeah, the changes were very beneficial. And I must say, Matt, you've been kind of championing a little bit the, uh, you know, the need for Portugal to put Moutinho in. I wasn't too sure about that. You know, I think he's a little bit past his best. But you know, I've got to hand it to you uh, that that first half, I thought he was also excellent. You know, real calming influence. Uh, just really neat on the ball, isn't he? Just helps Portugal, you know, keep possession and kind of just, uh, you know, sit kind of makes them a lot more focused. And I actually think that's quite a good little partnership, him and Renato Sanchez, because, you know, one of them is just a kind of, you know, complete bulldog of a player, isn't he? Uh, but a little bit indisciplined in, 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 in some ways. Uh, but Joao Martin is the complete opposite. You know, he's just very neat and tidy. And, you know, and so I think those two complemented each other really well. So, uh, yeah, great, great changes. Or they turned out to be Great changes by Fernando Santos, you know, fair play to him. Yeah, well, Sanchez really gave us what we've come to expect in a Salazar anyway, you know, a lot of those driving runs forward. He gave away the ball a little bit, but I think that can be forgiven because he hasn't started yet. And a little bit of pressure here, obviously, against uh, against the top team. But yeah, Joao Moutinho, the reason I, I thought he might start against Germany was that, um, you know, you really need someone in the middle of the park there that's cool, calm and collected and... You know, it was obvious that William was a little bit off the pace, but Troy Martini has been playing a lot this season and, he, you know, he's just got that awareness where he can get the ball in a little bit of space and know what's going to happen and then pick out the right pass to allow other players to get forward and allow Portugal time to build up more attacks, which is what you just didn't see really happen against Germany. So, yeah, he did really well. I hope he starts again. I don't really see too many changes here in the, in the, the game against Belgium. We'll talk about that shortly, but... Let's talk about some of the players came off the bench, Tom. There was four of them we yeah. haven't seen yet in this uh, in this tournament. Of course, the first one was Raul Palninha coming on for Danilo at halftime. And uh, a player you singled out and another player that was getting quite a lot of uh, positive reaction on your retweet blast. Yeah, I thought he was superb. I thought he was Portugal's best player in the second half. Like I said, I thought... Uh... Definitely uh, Sanchez and uh, yeah, Sanchez was the best player in the first half. I'd give, I'd gave him the man of match on Bernardo Silva, but second half, uh, Palinia was superb. I mean, he just didn't put a foot wrong. He was aggressive, like we know he can be. But I think what really impressed me was his long-range passing. You know, he's spraying some beautiful cross-field passes. You know, almost always finding the target well. He was positioned well. He was, you know, didn't just didn't show any nerves at all, which, you know, that was, like I mentioned, that was really, I think, the toughest period of the game, the first 20, 20 minutes or so, the second half for Portugal. But, uh, you know, that was nothing to do with Paulinho because he was, uh, he was really putting out fires a lot of the time. And, uh, yeah, really, really impressed with him. And I think now it's, uh, let's see how Danilo gets on hopefully is not too badly injured or is not injured you know hopefully is available but I think uh, that's a bit of a decision now for Fernando Santos between between those two uh, assuming that he goes with this pretty much the same lineup uh, I'd say that's one of his big decisions who to pick as the kind of holding midfielder Danilo or Palinha I thought he was excellent 
Yeah, he's certainly done his chances no harm at all. I, I don't see him getting ahead of Nilo just yet, unless that punch in the head was a bit more serious. But surely, yeah, he's, he's put himself on the radar. And of course, Portugal, I think, also what they showed tonight is that they can close the game out if, if they were leading this game or if they needed to, to hold on to a lead. I think tonight they showed that they can definitely, you know, they have that composure and they can bring on a lot of players off the bench that can help them see out a game. So that was another little positive, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Dallo, actually. He only got, you know, he only got the last 10 minutes or so, didn't he? But, uh, yeah, I thought I was impressed with how calm he was as well on the ball. No, but although, like you said, the last 10 minutes was a little bit, uh, you know, both sides just kind of settling for the draw. But uh, but anyway, yeah, that would have done his confidence no harm at all. Yeah, you can't ask for a better international senior debut for Dello. <laughs> Can you yeah. coming on in a game that's pretty much over and no one really getting anywhere near you and, uh, and no real pressure. So good for him. Um, yeah, it looks like Semedo just maybe had some cramp and, and nothing too serious there. And of course, we also had Sergio Oliveira coming on for some garbage time and uh, Ruben Neves also getting about 20 minutes. So that was good for him. Let's talk about Bruno Fernandes. We mentioned him quite a bit at the end of the, after the German game as a guy who has been underperforming a bit and Fernando Santos struggling to really get the best out of him. We, we had some interesting comments during the week, Tom, from Jose Mourinho who said that Portugal at its highest level can beat anyone, uh, but we need to play with 11 players in the first two matches. Bruno Fernandes was on the pitch, but not playing. We also mentioned that he was pretty close to giving away a late penalty, which would have been an absolute cardinal sin. So with all that said, Tom, have we got some concerns about him? And I guess we can say that he's not going to get back into the starting side anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's bit tough for him isn't it uh yeah you can't really see him he certainly didn't really justify it did he in that little spell he had he's just completely out of form one thing i would say about bruno fernandez is even his, his kind of style of play you, you saw this at sporting a lot you see at manchester united sometimes he does kind of drift out of games but then he suddenly does something you know scores a goal sets up a goal uh that completely sways the game you know or wins the game for his side so, uh, you know, that's, that is, in, in some ways, uh, you know, a little bit of his style of play. But, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he just looks, I don't know if it's a question of fatigue. There's a lot of, I don't know if you've seen that stat map which is going around. I think he's played something like 83 matches in, uh, 83 matches in just a year and a little bit or something, or maybe in a year. You know, it's just, I think he's played more football than any other uh, footballer, I think basically, uh, you know, in the in the Premier League or maybe even in the whole of Europe, you know, top-level football. So, so yeah, yeah, I think it's just completely knackered. <laughs> he's completely knackered and is out of form. And, you know, it's obviously a bit tense, I think, judging by those last, uh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes because he really just looked, uh, you know, out of it. Maybe he was, you know, he thought, I've got to do something, you know, I've got to do something to kind of justify my inclusion and it, it just you know his nerves got to him because he was very poor he put in one good cross uh, uh but apart from that you know everything he did really just backfired and so and, and like i said i think he, he actually did give away a penalty i think he's a bit lucky to get away with that so uh so yeah really can't see him starting this next game not at all i think it's really good for some players to get dropped uh, at any level in any sport you know players mm. who probably think that they're automatic starters and, and maybe that their their, their spot is um, 
is unchallenged. It's really just going to make him go away and think about what he needs to do, what he needs to bring to this team. And I think in the long run he'll be he'll be better for it. But yeah, whether it's just some 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 fatigue, maybe some attitude stuff or something else going on tactically, we don't know all the reasons. But for sure, you know, Jose Mourinho maybe a little bit harsh, but I guess a fair bit of truth in what he said. Okay, Tom, one guy we haven't talked about too much so far is a certain Cristiano Ronaldo, who is top scorer at Euro 2020 with five goals. He's on fire. Two penalties tonight. You know, we've talked about him so much over the years that I tend to sort of uh, overlook it, I guess. Of course, now he's uh, equaled the top international goal scorer of all time. He's got that 109 goals to equal Iran's Ali Day, which is an incredible achievement. It's hard to sort of talk about Ronaldo because we've said really all there is to say so many times, but he just keeps on doing it. And he stood up tonight with, uh, with a couple of crucial penalties. Yeah, absolutely. Just did the job, didn't he? He's not the player that he used to be, obviously. He's not like a world beater anymore. You can see that, but he's still so effective. And he was just ice cool, wasn't he? Both of those penalties, you know, very coolly dispatched. And yeah, what an amazing achievement, you know, reaching that that landmark. I think that's one which possibly people thought would never be beaten. You know, that 105 goal, 109 goals, is it? It's just a... Absolutely ridiculous amount, and of course he's going to he's going to beat it. He's going to put quite a few goals on top of that uh, if someone else wants to try and <laughs> you know take that crown from him. But uh, yeah, you know, like you say, you can't really ask for more from Cristiano Ronaldo uh, nowadays. We know he's not going to be beating three or four men. He's not even going to be beating one man, maybe a lot of the time. But he's in the right place at the right time uh, when a chance comes along. You know, as you'd really bank on him to score it more than almost anyone else. And, uh, you know, even immediately after uh, France scored their second goal, you know, and things looked really bad for Portugal at that stage. Uh, I don't know if you, you saw it, Matt. I almost missed it because it was immediately after. I was still tweeting about the uh, the, the France goal. And uh, he almost scored, actually, an immediate equaliser. Brilliant jump. Absolutely superb jump from a, a lovely uh, Rafael Guerreiro cross. But uh, unfortunately, couldn't just quite direct it on target. So, yeah, you know, he's a, you know, he's an automatic starter for Portugal. We know that. I think as long as Fernando Santos is manager, uh, he will be an automatic starter. And but you have to say he justifies it, no doubt about it. Oh yeah, his, his hang time is just incredible. You know, he's just he's like a he's like a, an NBA player. They, they, he, he just times these jumps so well, and he just seems to hang in the air at that and just. Just perfect timing. At and 36 then, years old. <laughs> yeah, years old. It's amazing, isn't it? He's just got incredible timing on that jump and the ability to get so high. And that's just one of his many, many fantastic attributes. I just think the fact that he's still doing it at his age is just uh, unbelievable. Just uh, an unbelievable play. We're just so lucky, aren't we, Matt, that he's Portuguese. Yeah, World Cup is next year too. So there's, uh, yeah. there's so much for him to, to look forward to. Plenty more goals to, to score for Portugal, that's for sure. Just wanted to go to a couple of player comments after the match. Tom Ruben Neves said, uh, we are European champions. We knew we could do better. 
we got through and that's the most important thing. France were never on top. We controlled the game well. And I think what a lot of people need to remember, Tom, is that Portugal were the only team that beat Hungary in this group, which um, yeah. showed really the, the quality of this group and how much trouble they caused uh, France and Germany, France, uh, Germany needing a late goal to, to win that game. So that, that, that needs to be remembered in this, in this group. And also uh, Paulinha, who said the game against Germany served as a lesson. The team improved a lot. We were more compact defending, managed the ball better, and that was reflected in what you saw. So that's what I wanted to get onto, Tom, was that we've talked about the actual tactical stuff just from a, from a, a tactical standpoint. But obviously there was some concerns we raised after the German game, which was a lack of leadership on the pitch and a, a lack of ability to, to make some little changes to, to stop that German onslaught from, from the wide areas. And there was some talk about attitude. We had Fernando Santos come out and say, you can't train aggressiveness unless we organize a boxing match. And there was also that strange stat. I've got to admit, I don't look at fouls too much, but Portugal only committed five fouls against Germany. Uh, they committed nine tonight. We saw, you know, I've got to admit, I was looking for it a bit more, and I saw Bernardo, uh, he, he pulled back, I think, uh, Mbappe in his own half. So just those little tactical things, you don't sometimes take too much notice of. I, I know some of the top teams, like I think Man City and Liverpool, you know, they almost get coached to, to give away those little fouls that don't draw a yellow card, but really stop the opposition getting any momentum and, and, and slowing the game down and a bit of game management. So do you think we saw a noticeable change in attitude and, and a little bit of those smarts in regards to the fouls tonight? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And like I said, I think Bernardo Silva kind of personified that because, I mean, you saw the... The you know Semedo just getting ripped apart by Gosens against Germany, and you know and uh, Bernardo Silva like you said whether it was you know I don't want to criticise him too much because maybe he had instructions to stay further up the pitch but he just wasn't getting back he was just leaving Semedo isolated all the time and he just was you know he was doing those kind of twinkle toed things which he does so well uh, you know help set up Portugal's goal of course in that game but he just was not really doing anything from a defensive point of view at all. And, uh, you know, whether it was Fernando Santos just kind of, you know, uh, like they say in Portuguese, puxado orelhas, <laughs> just having a go at the players and saying, look, you know, this isn't good enough, you've got to be more aggressive, or whether it was, you know, the players themselves realising that, or whether it was Santos instructing them, actually, you know, yeah, don't give players a free run, you know, if you have to do some tactical fouls, do them. This always makes me laugh a little bit because I remember uh, when I was growing up in England, quite often you'd play against European ties, uh, you know, English clubs against foreign clubs. And whenever there was a foul like that, you know, nowadays we'd call it a tactical foul, the commentators would say that is absolutely cynical, you know, because it's almost like, a, you know, it's not fair play to do that. <laughs> and then I came to Portugal and I remember, uh, you know, just listening to the commentary here. And so often you just hear it, yeah, intelligent foul there. Or, yeah, okay, he took a yellow, but, yeah, had to do that. Or sometimes criticising players for not doing a foul when they have to. And you're absolutely right. You know, uh, I know Pep Guardiola gets quite a lot of criticism for this because, uh, you know, he definitely instructs his players to, to foul tactically. And I think you just have to do that. You know, it's part of the game. And, uh, yeah, hopefully Portugal have learned that because... You know, I think that was part of the problem against Germany. No matter how much we talk about the tactics, 
which were way off, of course. But uh, yeah, it was a big problem. Of course, you can't really just boil it down to how many fouls you do. You know, you have to get into double figures, otherwise you aren't being aggressive enough. But uh, but you do have to be, you know, you do have to put yourself, you have to make it difficult for the opposition, basically. And at this level, you just you just cannot get away with one or two passengers, which I think that's what Jose Mourinho was, was getting at. Uh, in his right. criti- in his criticism of Bruno Fernandes, in these, I think that's what you might have seen also in the under twenty one final. You know, Germany just came prepared, and they, they had that meant that that group mentality, and they were all up for the fight. If you just got one or two players that are not quite there, or for whatever reason off their game a little bit, then then you're going to suffer. And I thought, yeah, tonight having Sanchez, having Moutinho in there, that really makes a, a huge difference to to everybody around them. And I thought the attitude was really spot on. Well, it had to be. I mean, there had to be a reaction after this Germany game. It was a shame we had to have that Germany performance to to get this. I mean, we, we, what we should have really seen what we saw tonight against Germany. But I guess in the long run, um, you know, better late than never. And sometimes it's uh, it's the loss you need to have, sort of thing. You know. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of people have said that. You know, we could. You know, it could, it could hopefully it was a bit of a watershed moment for for Portugal, or certainly in this tournament. You know, a turning point. You know, it was just night and day, wasn't it, Matt? The the two performances, that Portugal's last two performances. Oh yeah, it was great to watch. So let's just get on to the Portuguese manager now, Tom. And what he said after the game was that it wasn't the different players who transformed the team; it was the spirit that changed. Everything was different then against Germany. We played much better. We interpreted the game well. We were intense and we were balanced. So he's trying to, of course, take away some of the, the credit that uh, he deserves, I guess. And he was, of course, more than happy to accept pretty much all the blame for that performance against Germany. But this is what we talked about, Tom, that, that Fernando Santos has shown throughout his tenure as manager of Portugal that he has this ability to turn things around very quickly, make a couple of changes. We saw that, of course, in 2016, and we've, we've seen it again right here. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that really helps a lot with the with the team spirit, you know, and the squad spirit is for, for all the results which Portugal have got and all sometimes, you know, there's quite a lot of criticism of Fernando Santos because, you know, this is considered almost another golden generation and Portugal really rarely play to that, uh, you know, that they, they don't really seem to harness a lot of that attacking talent a lot of the time. So he is the target of some criticism, but you never hear any of the players saying anything, having anything but good things to say about him. And I think one reason is because he's just he just seemed a very fair coach in that uh, he makes changes. He does make changes uh, that, you know, are, are kind of obvious, but a lot of coaches wouldn't make them because, you, you know, you've got your favourites and uh, they've got their favourites and they've got their way of playing. And if it doesn't work, you know, one week and say, OK, maybe it will work the next week. But no, Fernando Santos, he does tend to make changes. I mean, you talked about it a lot in the last pod, didn't you, or maybe the first one we did about how much the Portugal team changed from the first game at Euro 2016 to the final. You know, it's basically a, half the team was completely different. I think he, five or six players were different uh, from, but, and, and that was almost from the group stage to the knockouts. And all the changes had a positive effect on Portugal, you know, on their performances. And, uh, and so, yeah, uh, you know, I think that, He'll, you know, he's not blind. <laughs> Obviously, he he will see the vast improvement in Portugal's play, and so 
I think, uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. I can't see him dropping Sanchez, even Moutinho. I'd be quite surprised if he, if he, uh, you know, didn't choose him again. And, uh, yeah, who knows uh, if uh, one or two other changes are, are up his sleeve. Yeah, he doesn't have to make as many changes this time around because yeah, two of those ones in 2016 was Cedric coming in for Virinha at right back and also uh, Font coming in for... Uh, Ricardo Carvalho, so yeah. there's just not going to be any changes in, in defence, you wouldn't have thought. And Jota, I don't think he's going to lose his spot anytime soon. Bernardo, you know, those guys stepped up today, so it really yeah. just is that, that central midfield area where he just has so many options and looks like he, you know, he, he got the balance and, and everything right today, so I don't see a huge amount of changes from here on in. I think it's like this with every country. We've seen it with English supporters with Southgate. Um, there's just such wild swings in, in supporters, oh, yeah. um, you know. And we've seen, obviously, on Portugal and a lot of the comments on the, on the match reports and, and different articles how 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 angry people get with Santosh and how Santosh has to get out and, and, and it's just such an overreaction. They just... <laughs> I was just... thinking about that, Matt. I was thinking exactly about that, reading the comments tonight, you know, because uh, they were, I think they're, if anything, a little bit over the top in praising. You know, I think if you have a look at that game coldly, I think France probably just edged it. I think France probably the better side, but you saw some of the comments and you see... Uh, you know, people saying, oh, absolutely magnificent. You know, Portugal played France off the pitch. <laughs> you know, Santos is a, you know, he, he's a kind of genius. So you're right, you know, they've got, this is kind of, I think that's what makes football great, isn't it? And all makes, you know, people get so passionate about it. And in Portugal, it's not just in Portugal, it's everywhere. You know, in Portugal, we have this saying, oit or oitenta, you know, just from one extreme to the other. And it really is like that with football, you know, everyone's an absolute, you know, just a dud and don't know what they're doing or they're an absolute hero and a genius, you know, not not, not very much in between. Yeah, you just have to be so careful if you are going to be critical because you, you've only got two options. You're just going to ride it all the way home or admit some at some point that you were you were wrong and maybe you, you overreacted. I just think it's important just to keep a bit of a middle ground, you know, this is, people just don't realise the difference between being an international manager and being a club manager. A club manager, you've got next week, you've got training sessions all the time, you're with these players all the time. You know, these international tournaments, they're just such fine margins between staying in a tournament and just being eliminated and going home. Such fine margins in, in matches, that's what I, I've learnt a lot over the last few years. There were some, some people bagging Rui, Rui George for the under-21 side when he basically got every single decision right, I thought. Not only in the qualification and the group stage, but also in the finals. Like, he pretty much got everything spot on. So I just cannot see where some of this bias... Obviously, in Portugal, we, we have this situation where almost everyone supports um, one of the, the big three teams, and, and I think they somehow perceive this, this bias that just somehow doesn't exist if, if a manager used to play for a certain club or if he's if he's starting players from certain clubs i think that's just all completely ridiculous but yeah to cut a long story short just 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 take it easy take a chill pill and as we've said so many times that santos has shown an ability to turn things around to make adjustments to get it right that's what he's done here give him credit for winning a couple of trophies or portugal's only 
I don't know if I really count the Nations League, but we'll, we'll throw it in there. Either way, <laughs> 2016 is the one that counts. So just stay with him, stay positive, and and have some trust in the guy who's uh, who's certainly done nothing. I, I don't think to lose any trust for Portuguese supporters. So I just wanted to get that off my chest anyway, Tom. So yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree with you, Matt. Well said. Yeah, that's also just another thing. Basically, on this is you really should reserve judgment until the end of the tournament, shouldn't you? Because yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. imagine if Portugal go on to win it now, and then people are looking back on those comments after the. After the Germany game, um, oh, we'll put them on a plaque. We'll put them. We'll put them on. A, we'll put them on a poster, and um, yeah, we'll we'll have an we'll have an article dedicated to all the people bagging Fernando Santos after the Germany game. But yeah, as I said, after the Germany game, look, we'll, if they get eliminated, then we'll we'll get to that. Then you know, we'll get to Santos then, yeah. and, and maybe if it's time for him to move on. But that time has not come, so there's no need to even even think about uh, that discussion just yet. So yeah, let's um, take a little look forward. Uh, now, Tom, uh, Portugal finished as the best-placed, third-placed team. So, a bit of a shame they didn't get to finish second, actually. I thought it would have been very nice. They would have travelled to uh, to London to take on England. And you're really seeing that, that that part of the draw now would really be beneficial. Uh, you know, you, you've got Sweden, Ukraine, England, Germany, Netherlands, Czech Republic, Wales, Denmark. With all due respect to a lot of those teams, not a huge favourite in there and of course now Portugal as you mentioned before Tom they have to travel to Sevilla to take on Belgium which is going to be a very tough game if they get through that then you've got to take on the winner of Italy and Austria I think Italy are probably close to being the favourites to win this tournament and then if they manage to beat Belgium and the winner of that Italy-Austria game the semi-final would likely be France again or Spain Croatia if they get to the final, they're gonna they definitely will have earned it, Tom. It's uh, I remember talking about this quite a lot in the in the World Cup where Portugal really gave themselves a tough job. They would have had a much easier job if they had of um, you know got a better result in the third game. As it as it turned out, they were in a tough part of the draw. It came up against Uruguay, a bit of Cavani magic. But you know, I guess in the long run, and as, as people say from all nations, Tom, if you want to win the thing, you've got to beat these teams at some time. And it's not really a huge drama when you look at it from that perspective. But for, no doubt, Belgium are a top-quality side, and this is going to be another tough game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think, well, it's, it's a bit different to 2016, isn't it, Matt? Because, uh, you know, Portugal, I think they... I, th- I don't think that was quite as easy as some people make out, you know. Uh, but, it, you know, it wasn't... They didn't really face a really top side until until the final of course France although I think people kind of forget that Croatia were perhaps one of the most impressive teams in the group stages uh, but I think when Portugal beat that yeah then when they beat them then they had Poland and Wales didn't they which you know you can't really hope for any any better than that can you from quarterfinals semi-finals so yeah that won't be the route this time nothing like that yeah they're really going to have to turn it on we know that Portugal usually perform well against against good sides as long as they're not called Germany <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> you know I'm really looking forward to this game you know I'm really looking forward to this game I think like Nathan Moat said as well uh, I think it's really important today that Portugal put in a good performance because if they'd you know put in another kind of drab display disappointing display but got through anyway it just would have been so dispiriting really and I think it wouldn't have been a surprise if that happened then they I think they just would have been really bad in a really bad place mentally, and it would have been really tough for them to to turn it around against Belgium. As it is, you know they're coming off a very positive display uh, collectively, some excellent displays individually, 
and they're still in it. And, you know, against Belgium, yeah, very good side. I think they're actually ranked number one, aren't they, in the world for, for whatever that's worth, you know, the, the FIFA rankings. But, uh, yeah, great side. They've never actually, you know, turned this, you know, brilliant generation they have into silverware. Just really dangerous. It, it will be, I think, a really good game. I think uh, Portugal will go, you know, will be able to go toe-to-toe with them. I don't think they'll be afraid of them. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to be those little details, isn't it, that decides who goes through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've definitely got some dangerous players in attack. Um, Lukaku's in excellent form. Kevin De Bruyne, we know about him. Eden Hazard now is getting back to, to full fitness. So they've got some devastating players. And it looks like they'll play a similar formation to, to Germany with those wing-backs. So uh, Portugal have had some <laughs> practice uh, at that. But yeah, that's I think... interesting. Yeah, that's interesting, Matt. I was I was thinking about that because I think Portugal's likely opponents uh, they were saying were were Belgium or Netherlands or I can't remember the other one, but it was all teams that were playing. We played this three at the back, and of course, <laughs> you know this wing back system. And so we thought, uh oh, you know, after what happened at Germany. But you know, maybe that's the perfect preparation, isn't it? Because. I can't really see Portugal committing the same mistakes again as they did against Germany. There's a lot to be uh, positive about. It's time to be fully on that Portuguese bandwagon, Tom. I think Belgium's defence definitely has some some vulnerability. And if Portugal can get at them, which I'm sure they will have uh, chances to, then of course we have Mr Ronaldo who has five goals already in this tournament. So a lot to look forward to, a lot to be positive about. That's been the Portugal podcast. I've been Matthew Marshall. He's been Tom Cundit. Enjoy the match.